Hey all, we went on a little long, so we split this up into two parts. Uh, part two will be out as early release on our Patreon, and will come out on the main feed later this month. So enjoy. Hi, welcome to Neighbor Science, the only podcast about political economy and how to use superficially democratic institutions to repress popular dissent while selling people's resources out from under them, attacking sexual freedom and other rights, and suffocating millions with a horrifying blanket of haze every year. I'm Chris, and Ryan's over there in the corner with a cold or something. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for you to intro because I did have a thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, <laughs> I, I, was, I was interested to see how good your breath control would be for for this very long intro that you wrote because <laughs> it is kind of one big sentence <laughs> it's one big sentence yes just like it's the like one big uh, country. like like and uh oh what's his name andrew in uh minion death cult when he's like reading one long <laughs> run-on sentence <laughs> it just goes, goes and goes and goes <laughs> it's like doing doing like qigong <laughs> <laughs> right well speaking of one big sentence living in indonesia is a bit like a life sentence for some people um <laughs> So you were curious, uh, you had a question for me, which is, uh, why don't we ever hear anything about Indonesia, right? Like, I mean, that's a great question. I'll, I'll just go ahead with that. We'll, we'll um, preface it by saying today's episode is about Indonesia and what's oh, yes. happening in Indonesia right now. Right. I just jumped right into it without even <laughs> thinking. So today's episode I, is about I, Indonesia. I asked before we started even, like, just in case the answer was, like, super complex and not worth, like, trying to address here. But, like... <laughs> You know, we don't hear shit about Indonesia ever. Like, yeah. uh, why Why is that? Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, today is about Indonesia, but it's really, it's, I have to do a bit of history, and this will be part of it. But, like, we're, we're trying to cover the current events as a lot of shit is erupting in Indonesia right now, politically. Um, but why don't we ever hear anything about Indonesia? Um, well, it's... Yeah. Probably a complicated answer that I haven't read enough about, but based on my experience growing up there, you know, I was born and raised there, and uh, I, I, I even as a kid, I noticed a huge uh, sort of lack of awareness about Indonesia by anyone that is from like outside of like a 500 mile radius of Indonesia, right? <laughs> um, pretty much. Um, so like. People who think about Indonesia are Australians, <laughs> um, Malaysians, Singaporeans, you know, sometimes the Thais and Vietnamese, depending, um, Chinese, Japanese, Koreans, right? So, like, the whole East Asian seaboard is concerned with Indonesia for, like, trade reasons and occasional, say, like, questions about, like, regional politics and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, like... Uh, also, this is a whole fucking rabbit hole. Like, if people want to know about Indonesian history and, like, how they relate to the rest of the planet or, like, historically relate to, say, Japan or China, which is, like, these other stories and, and current developments and stuff. Like, it's a whole rabbit hole I really don't have time or energy to get into. And I, like, if you dive in, you'll never come out. So why don't we ever hear anything about Indonesia? Well, it's partly because they are... Um, like logistically much like Australia, New Zealand, they're logistically way out on the end of nothing. Um, and yet they kind of, so they, they kind of have their own kind of like sub world, you know, like a microcosm on the planet. Uh, okay. And then 
also, uh, even though they have massive, massive historical and global economic and global political significance, um, maybe partly because of those things, um, it is in the government's best interests as a state, as a regime, you know, or as a kind of continuum of different regimes, um, especially in cooperation with, say, like the U.S. regime, uh, the Australian regime, you know, the West, uh, to mm-hmm. keep that shit on the down low. <laughs> so it really is just like a massive hush-hush operation. <laughs> um, hmm. like, 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 they keep a low profile so that they won't, um, they, they won't um, incur any kind of like um, international embarrassment and intervention and stuff. Um, so they're basically well, like Wano in one piece. Oh, which character is that again? I, it's been a while. That's, that's the samurai country that's like hidden from. Yeah. The yeah. Yeah. They're just like, nah, it's cool. Don't talk about me. <laughs> me. Oh, me. No, I don't do anything. It's fine. But they're um, actually controlled by, you know, the world government. Right. Yeah. So, so Indonesia is interesting. Um, it is like fucking crawling with NGOs and uh, resource companies and you know, all this shit. Um, just, just little NGOs sometime. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. It's really a whole thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a whole thing. Uh, so, so they're just riddled with this. Um, and, and, uh, back in, I, I'll, I'll kind of touch on this. So, so, but I'll give you a preview, which is when they, when Indonesia, as we know it now, was just a set, like a collection of colonial holdings by the Dutch and the Portuguese and the British, but mostly the Dutch, mm-hmm. um, the they were seen as just the East Indies, as like these colonies, right? So it was like this exotic location that to white people, right? You know, and like, oh, that's just this distant, far-flung, sort of darkest Asia kind of place, right? Um, and and then. They, what was like the uh I don't maybe you won't uh-huh. know this offhand, but uh sure. what, what was like the like the racial conception that the Europeans had of the Indonesians? <sighs> uh so I think that they basically saw them as like I, I'm just gonna take a stab at it from like my 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 cursory exposure to like the the sort of the cultural history of like how the Dutch, like literally like the Dutch colonials themselves and like how they interacted with the locals and how they administered things. And also some of the lingering attitudes that Indonesians have about each other and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's important when you think about Indonesia and we'll actually, you'll sort of see this flesh out in this episode as we're talking about current events a little bit, the West, um, so the tip of Sumatra, Aceh, um, is the further the furthest west point in Indonesia, and that's where um, there's like strong sort of Islamic fundamentalism um, okay. because it is basically where Islam um, ended up. And Islam is kind of like a like a culture, I guess, where it kind of like concentrated most. Yeah, because. Okay. It was the it was the furthest toward where they got a lot of their Islamic influences from, which is west of them across the Indian Ocean, whether it was in in India or Persia or, or you know Arabia um, or East Africa. So 
right? Um, as well as, of course, the other peninsula of it, anyway. So, so again, this is a this is a rabbit hole. There's rabbit holes, fucking endless rabbit holes within an Asia. Right. Um, <laughs> like, just it's you got to be careful because like you'll end up telling some other story by accident. Um, so, I, I guess what not, I'm really interested in is like, is there uh, residual white supremacy in Indonesia? Right. Right. Yes. Back to that. Uh, sorry. Um, so the yes, it's it's. You see, as you see in a lot of like Asian countries, you know, people using whitening creams to make themselves look more uh, refined and beautiful in in their minds, you know, things like that. And that's just like colorism, right? But it's still obviously connected to all that. Um, there is a um, there was a, a kind of a path dependency situation where, uh, and this has to do with the West East kind of spectrum of like in the West you saw a lot more states developing um, and the islands were generally larger and closer to continental Asia. And so they were able to concentrate and sophisticate more um, planned uh, economy, well, uh, economies, but like complex things like agriculture and, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> industry, right. And like um, um, fucking, you know, massive architectural feats, right? Like Borobudur and um, Prabhanan and stuff, which are these like ancient like temples and palace complexes and stuff. And so, uh, whereas in the middle and east in, in this archipelago, um, the islands tend to be smaller overall, although there's a few big ones, of course. Um, but, uh, so these are more kind of like proper sea peoples um, and like small, like really small ethnic groups that... Um, even if they're all technically interrelated or speak similar languages, like related languages, um, we made it, you know, it's complexes and, and, and bubbles and stuff, people all over the place. Um, they were, and they were able to create states and stuff, of course, because you can create a state with two fucking people if you really feel like it, you know, but, uh, you know, if you really feel like it, you know, um, uh, but, but the, they were not able to like create like these kind of massive sort of quote unquote civilizations. Um, they had more like networks. Um, so, so they were the most perhaps um, um, dependent on these like sort of sea routes and stuff. Whereas like the Western land powers could also be sea powers, but they didn't necessarily have to be. Right. Um, so then because of that, then this kind of path dependency um, led to uh, some uh, institutional continuity in the West. And also, I don't, I don't want to dare to say cultural affinity with like the, the Dutch or the British, but definitely a kind of like an ability to match statecraft with statecraft. Um, and so um, if, if elites chose to collaborate and survive versus like commit suicide, literally um, uh, then, or like go to war and, and die or, or be ousted that by that means, um, then, then they managed to kind of stick it out often and become part of like the administrative apparatus or, um, you know, maintain like a titular role within like the Dutch colonial sort of thing. And so, so in that sense, you know, those surviving institutions and um, 
you know, value systems and hierarchies and stuff that were kind of affected and, and mutated by the Dutch presence and other colonial presences. Um, you know, many of them have survived to this day in at least name and have, of course, influenced the way that people think about um, themselves as Indonesians or themselves as like any given ethnic group, such as the Javanese, which is the biggest one. Um, so, of course, uh, a lot of the people, I think, who identify the most with um, this kind of hierarchical institutional Indonesia tend to be tend to fall into that nationalist camp that is uh, very influential and problematic there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Because the other the other I mean, traditionally, the other two major political blocks were the Islamists, who, of course, identify with the Islamic world as their source of like legitimacy and, um, you know, um, code. Right. Um, OK. And then there were, of course, the leftists and communists generally, but typically identified with the Communist Party, which were, for the most part, um, purged <laughs> by way of right. massacre and being forced underground. Um, so that is also relevant, but we'll we'll get to that. Um, so supremacy is is in fact uh, kind of a salient concern there um, because of. Uh, not just the post-colonial, you know, colonial and post-colonial experiences, um, but also the uh, lingering problems with um, m the more massive Western ethnic groups um, sort of being predominant in the politics uh, because it is a kind of a representative democracy. Um, and so there's a kind of a majority rule or like plurality clout kind of system, you know, and like, the Javanese, Sundanese, and other residents of, say, like Java, of course, the island, and Sumatra, and like Bali, and um, to some extent, anyway, and I want to say Kalimantan, though perhaps less uh, than the others, are the ones who hold all the like media power and they run the education system uh, and so forth. So okay. that's really reductive way of putting it. There are more nuances than I will ever be able to memorize, but. <laughs> um, so yeah uh, speaking of Indi Indonesia generally I think people who have heard of Indonesia generally are like okay it's, it's the largest Muslim majority population um, yeah that's that's one of the only things I know about it <laughs> right that's like one of the key kind of just like world fact book kind of stats um, people often say mistakenly because it's a statistical difference right um, it's just like a kind of a factual sort of hair splitting but like people often say oh it's the largest muslim country and you're like well it's the largest muslim majority populated country right um it is a secular state it has a, a very strong islamic block because like something like 80 to 90 percent of the population is um islamic in one way or another um or you know muslim in one way or another or 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 you know, culturally Muslim or whatever it might be. There is, again, scads of nuance there, you know, very like sort of there's like folk Islam, just like you see kind of like, you know, very like hyper local variants of any given organized religion where people just adapt their, their prior value systems and beliefs and like aesthetics um, and hybridize and syncretize with, you know, the dominant, you know, organized sort of mode. So that's also key to understanding kind of how they do things. Um, 
It is a very large country. It is the fourth largest population in the world uh, as a state. Um, 2015, it was like 255 million. I think since then it's reaching up to about 300 million, probably 270, so 300. Almost US population. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's all scrunched into a land mass that is I think like a 10th of the size of the oh. US. Um, yep. So, um, well, to be fair, most of the U.S. is just empty farmland. So, right, exactly, um, because of reasons. And yeah, <laughs> so like if you think of if you think of Indonesia as um, because it's these islands and like the ocean there is is definitely a part of the terrain, right? You think of all that sea as kind of the the more kind of empty land in the states you know so like the flyover areas right it, yeah. there it's like the the ferry over and boat over and flyover areas um and that definitely also partly defines has defined just the formation of ethnic groups and the dissemination of information and technology um and of course therefore attitudes about each other mm-hmm. which leads to political things um and it also embodies political things so, um, of course, you're staring at the notes, but <laughs> I wish I could say, guess how many islands there are in Indonesia, speaking of all that. Yes, uh, you're right. Three. <laughs> three, yes. Sumatra, Jawa, and, uh, and Kalimantan. And, of course, they would wish for you to believe that. Um, but, yeah, actually, uh, possibly up to 18,000 distinct islands. Um, it is not even a settled number. <laughs> like... There are well, islands born. What, what is like the minimum to be considered an island? Because like, you know, some, <laughs> some sand pokes out of the water. Oh yeah, and that's some people could call it an island. And that's the that's the strangeness of it. I have actually been um, in open water um, on a boat, and we ran into, or we I should say, we kind of like intentionally steered toward and kind of rested the boat on a sandbar that was like. <laughs> the size of a fucking queen size mattress. Right. Um, and it was just sticking up out of the water. We're like, yeah, that's cool. You know, um, but better not run into that. You know, by so accident. Is that an island? Um, I, that's a sandbar, but I have been on an Island that was roughly the size of like a house. Um, and that's well, okay. So like uh, some of these islands may be the size of a house. Yeah. Okay. In terms of like square footage or, or okay. yeah. Uh huh. So those are, you know, those are the kinds of kinds of little places that where like you're watching like a a, a fucking castaway movie or like a, a, a you know one of these like yeah, are ocean there any islands with just things. one guy living on there? Probably, yeah. Um, there's definitely been. I mean, there's a ton of islands where there's a, you know just a few people or or you know maybe like a village, um, and a village is like you know. Maybe but maybe ten people, hundred people, five hundred people. I don't know. You know, um, Gilligan and uh, whoever those other guys are named. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> there's actually a uh, there's an ethnic group. I forget what they're called. There's an ethnic group in Indonesia that's so like they're pretty much what you would think of as like like the archetypal sea people. It's like Waterworld, um, where <laughs> they basically like swim before they can walk. Um, they I think they have biological adaptations. Um, where they can breathe, like like hold their breath longer and stuff like that. Dang. Um, 
Yeah, so like we're talking like Indonesia is not just like an interesting country you don't know much about, but like it's like it it, it contains worlds, right? Yeah. So so um, and then within those worlds are are these politics, um, and then between those worlds are even more politics. Um, so it's it's far less, even though the state has crafted as any state wants to do, right? This kind of legitimizing monolithic kind of political and cultural narrative. Um, there, there is no real monolith of Indonesia. There's only um, powerful pluralities and stuff. Um, right. And, and, you know, various kind of apparatus that they have put into place to maintain their, their primacy, you know, or in some, some cases, right. There, there's the relative security in the context of more powerful groups. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of kind of um, there's a mode in in Indonesia uh, in, in in socially interacting with in, at least especially people that you don't know. There's like a tendency to like kind of play your cards real close, right? Um, like hold them close to your chest and and be like just a little more thoughtful about like what you're about to do um, because there's just like so many different people with so many different stories and there's just like um you, you know you could walk 50 uh well not even 50 miles you know you could walk fucking five miles down and it'll be like totally just somebody else's home right there's not like that's not like your area anymore you know um and so i think that yeah it's a it's a very like um granular kind of place um Motley. and so yeah um so there are uh speaking of that and this is in tandem with all this stuff i've been kind of introducing um like if you could guess just how many ethnic slash language groups there are that are that are held to be distinct from each other uh i'm going to guess uh three hundred thousand. that's I, I commend you for going big. <laughs> um, <laughs> the truth is there are 7 billion. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, there are anywhere between 300 or 1300 distinct ethnic groups, depending on your source. Um, I actually, Oh yeah. Okay. Here it is. Uh, the, the, the organization that my parents work for does a lot of linguistic research and there's a website, ethnologue.com. And the number of individual languages listed for Indonesia based on the research that's been done is 719. Dang. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, of those, 707 are still living languages and 12 uh, have passed from this world. Um, Only 12? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So basically, you've got roughly 700 like languages going strong that are distinct from each other. Wow. Um, yeah. I thought it was going to be like, uh, you know, 50 are still around today. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, 700 is, is where you're at with that. Wow. Um, and then cool. um, the, the vast majority of these ethnic groups, language groups, are indigenous or they have migrated to where they live from elsewhere in the archipelago. And then there are minority groups such as Chinese Indonesians of different kind of waves and that's another wormhole uh, rabbit hole um 
as well as I think in at least Sumatra, there are like communities of like Indian Indonesians and Arab Indonesians. Um, but I, the, the ones you usually hear about that are like quote unquote, not from there. And that's like, I'm putting that in very heavy quotes because it's a bit like talking about Jews in Europe or, or you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, is the just the Chinese Indonesians? Um, okay. And rabbit holes and rabbit holes and rabbit holes. So, yeah, right. So the Javanese ethnic group accounts for about forty percent of the total population. Um, and so when you have you know three hundred to thirteen hundred ethnic groups with seven hundred languages between them, you know, in a population of you know going on three hundred million probably at this point, if you're the ethnic group with forty percent of the share, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're pretty much going to set the pace. Right. Right. Um, and those, you know, the Javanese um, are, are, you know, they're from Java, but they're um, historically, uh, they were, there were many of the people, um, if not all the people who created these kind of uh, powerful states and, 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 you know, elaborate civilizations um, that existed before the Dutch or kind of in tandem with, uh, you know, or in competition with the, uh, the, the Dutch. Um, until they will be taken over. Um, huh? Have you heard of the Selectorate? Talk to me about that. Yeah, uh, I I just read about it briefly, but it's like um, out of like an entire like group of people that mm-hmm. are, you know, theoretically in control of you know a given like institution or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like the, I think that's the like electorate, and then. Mm-hmm there's a subgroup there that's like uh, the people that actually exercise any control. And then within that group is the people that actually like make the difference between, you know, what gets done and what doesn't. Right. It's just like a winning coalition within the the very center of everything. And that's called the selector. Gotcha. Yes. I'm looking at the diagram now um, where it's like the largest circle it contains everybody as the residents within that is the selectorate circle. And then within the selectoral cir- selectorate circle is the winning coalition, I suppose. Okay. Uh, based on this diagram, but yeah, no, that makes sense. And it's definitely, um, that's how you can have like plurality rule, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, rule. Essentially. Right. Like, a, and you see this in a lot of different places. <laughs> um, you see, I mean, basically States depend on it. Um, yeah, so like, uh, someone mm-hmm. someone on Twitter was talking today about. Actually, I think that's how this came up. With they're they're talking about, um, how I think it was Pelosi. Some I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it. But basically, sure. like some senator, uh, is like uh, really crucial to like weapons funding or something like that. And uh, Trump was like capitulating to them or something like that, so that. Mm-hmm that that deal could go through mm-hmm. uh i don't know i should probably look it up but um yeah it just makes me think of like how there's you know even if you just have like someone who's right wing on like one issue in particular mm-hmm. you know the right can form a coalition with them on that one thing and, and right. still like accomplish whatever their insidious goals are you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's <sighs> it could be the same thing here yeah absolutely yeah and and i uh i'm actually like (laughs) 
I'm I'm slightly afraid uh, in terms of, in kind of like um, in in terms of the effort it would take to like try to piece apart like the just the fucking soap opera of of Indonesian state politics for the last right. like you know <laughs> seventy years since independence or even before um, because it's like any large state especially with like multiple factions and and layers is it's just like uh you're just like tripping on the worst drugs it doesn't really (laughs) it's not really uh important to tease it apart unless you're like in a position to actually Mm -hmm. do anything about it you know yeah 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 survival seems more pertinent yeah 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 so so um i'll i'll give you guys for for contextualize things a little bit and because again because people don't know much about Indonesia I mentioned the um, the three power blocks in politics uh, there is the, the Islamists the nationalists and the communists and I, I, that's another rabbit hole so basically as the Dutch um, were kind of incentivized to like make concessions to like the intellectual uh, class of Indonesia. Um, uh, I should say the East Indies as at the time, you know, um, which were mostly uh, Western Indonesians, such as, you know, Javanese um, who were uh, in, in many cases, they were um, like like part part European like part Dutch part Indonesian and so they were like they had family ties to various Dutch colonials and stuff and and got like Dutch educations and it was it started to turn into this whole thing um, and then those people started to read various uh, you know of the popular European political theories and observe the movements and read about the history of what was going on in Europe and then think about their position. Um, as you know, colonially occupied, you know, colonized people, um, but also people who were had ties to the administration in, in many of these cases. So it turned into um, them. I wonder how many of the seven hundred languages are like Dutch pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't know. I mean, most of them are are indigenous, uh, which is part of the reason there's there's so many. Um, but I. Th- I think that um, I think that um, the Jakartan dialect, the Batawi dialect, has some some various loanwords from various languages in it. No surprise. I mean, they, Indonesian has a bunch of loanwords in it from from Dutch and from other languages. That's mm-hmm. kind of how the language came about. But um, it's also complicated. But uh, so 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 in the like the late 19th early 20th century you know these kind of literati of indonesia and like other kind of politically interested folks from uh from that part of uh, the world essentially um some of them became more leftists some of them became more nationalists um and they began to kind of react and interact with uh the colonial rule in more kind of systematic ways uh in, in these kind of like uh, ideological ways, I guess you could say. And then of course um, there were people who were like traditional Islamist types too, who, who were like, well, we want um, this, this kind of uniting uh, uh, 
institution of Islam to be the way that we go forward from, from the Dutch. So ultimately, blah, 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 things happen. The Japanese roll in and occupy. Um, some of the people who want independence end up collaborating with the Japanese um, in order to um, kind of achieve goals. Uh, and then once the Japanese are kicked out, then um, the, this, this coalition has formed or, or is forming. I can't remember exactly. Uh, but the, the Islamists, the nationalists, and the, and the communists and leftists as a, as a bloc uh, essentially um, form this mega coalition of like uneasy partners um, to liberate like the entire fucking Dutch East Indies like set of franchises, you know, uh, as a sing right. So like, so you have not just massive indigenous diversity and linguistic diversity and the fragmentation of islands and um, the, 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 the difficulties of things like literacy and obviously, you know, economic power in a, in a kind of colonial setting. Um, you also have the massive tension between these three parties, uh, these three kind of, you know, coalition members. Um, so they get their independence the Dutch try to come back. They get their asses handed to them, which is pretty great. And then, um, when bouts was this? Well, that would have been like the the mid forties. Um, okay. Let me let me peg the exact year. Um, and the Indonesians are very proud of, or at least have been very proud of, the fact that they are, I think, the first Asian country to officially win their independence through a like a revolutionary war. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. As opposed to th- through some other arrangements or something. Um, so they, oh yeah, so they actually they declared independence in '45, and then about four years of of struggle occurred, where they um, they basically so they were they, a colony they, through World War Two. Well, so they so were occupied Japan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me, so, <laughs> oh God, when did that start? Uh, Japanese occupation of Indonesia, uh, started, oh, in 42. Okay. Um, so it was, you know, opposite, opposite side of, of the ocean from the Japanese. So it started in 42 and then essentially ended with the Japanese surrender in 45. Um, right. So then essentially the Indonesians were like, this is our fucking chance. Um, they, they declared independence. The Dutch tried to come back four years pass. There was kind of like a bunch of other shit going on. And then, um, the Dutch were unable to politically, uh, <laughs> uh, maintain like, I guess, legitimacy, um, when they, I think it was like a partial stalemate or something. And so they essentially are like, okay, fine, we'll just sign a treaty and everything's cool, you know? Um, so then from there, the, the Indonesian coalition, you know, um, they went through some, some, some shit in like the forties and fifties uh, where they were, you know, cause there was Malaysia, there was Singapore, there were other, you know, parts of Asia that were trying to escape um, the, the colonial boot, you know, um, and Malaysia, Singapore, and Indonesia all 
um, have this uh, some version of this this trade language called Malay in common. Mm-hmm. Um, so Indonesia was like, well, we speak Indonesian Malay, um, which is called Indonesian Malaysians. They speak Malayu, which is Malaysian Malay, and then Singapore, I think, speaks their own Singaporean sort of uh, version of Malaysian Malay. They're on the same peninsula, so it all works out. Um, so, right. yeah. So anyway, so so the, the important part of this uh, for our kind of just moving forward is two things. One is that coalition that I keep mentioning. Um, and two is Sukarno, who was the first president. So he was one of the architects of the revolution. He was a kind of a wheeler dealer within the uh the movement for independence um you know he kind of talked to everybody and so he was one of these founding father types he was a born politician very charming uh as i recall he was a bit of a womanizer uh typical politician yeah exactly um yeah and then after um after World War II ended and the so-called Cold War started up, right? And then everybody was like, well, are you the Soviet bloc or the, or the fucking capitalist bloc or whatever? Then, of course, there was a bunch of these countries that uh, started the non-aligned movement, um, regardless of their actual state politics, right? They were like, we don't want to fuck around with this bullshit between the U.S. and the USSR, you know, uh, or like NATO and the USSR. So uh, Sukarno drew Indonesia into the non-aligned movement, um, but was also uh interested in um like socialism or at least was like friendly to it um so then of course uh to skip through so all like this Marxist centrism yeah something like that you know and like he was like he was definitely a fucking nationalist uh in in the ter- in the sense that he was like a big fan of what he and these other people had created as indonesia you know um but i don't think from what I've read that he was like the kind of diehard, like uh, chauvinist nationalist that you think of when you say that word. Um, Marxist Keynesianist. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So he was like, he was like, you know, okay. Like how are we going to continue to spin this bizarre creature uh, called Indonesia? If we have this, this kind of winning coalition with so many internal tensions and all this so he was talking to China. He was talking to Japan. He was blah, 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 blah. Um, and continued to be the president. And in the mid sixties, uh, a bunch of other shit popped off where, you know, and the history of that has been um, largely like concealed under wraps, very murky. Uh, but what happened is ultimately um, there was a, an, an allegation that there had been an, a failed communist coup um, and then the military, which, uh, as you might expect, is full of uh, chauvinist nationalist types. Those guys usually like communists, right? <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. <laughs> so they're talking um, about how how they love reading books and you know, <laughs> co- uh, comrades sharing things. Stuff. Yeah, right. Uh, so so and then part so part of it was that the um, allegations were that the communists, um, you know, members of the communist party had gone and tried to um, like assassinate a bunch of generals or something, you know? And again, I'm reducing this. This is like, there's this whole fucking lore about this. 
Um, and it's also like the details have not always been clear either. So, so then they're like, oh, they tried to like fucking, uh, you know, kill our, our military leadership. So of course the military reacts to that. Well, who fucking knows if that's really how it happened. It could have been a false flag. I'm going to just assume that it was personally. Um, but there were probably other things at play as well that we'll just exactly like it was a Reichstag fire event and they just fell for it. Right. Everybody fell for it. I'm like, I'm like kind of fully on board with post-truth. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> if, a, if a lie is advantageous and it, you know, may yeah. as well be true, yeah. then you know what? It's, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty much. Exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah. So that's a great attitude to take when talking about like Indonesian politics, actually. Because that's pretty, much, flags. <laughs> pretty much how it all runs. Yeah. Yeah. It's all insanity. Um, uh, very, very well contained, bottled up, quiet insanity. Um, yeah. So, so, right. So, so the military lost a bunch of generals who were murdered um, spectacularly. Um, but, uh, you know, since we never were able to verify who murdered them, um, then the blame was very aggressively put on the Communist Party. So then, um, so Harto, this, you know, military general guy, um, he basically uh, threw Sukarno in house arrest and kind of was like, emergency powers, activate. And then, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, and then uh, said, hey, you know, all these communists are super disrespectful. Uh, and they tried to destroy our culture and also they're anti-Islam. So then all these Islamists were like, oh, fuck that. So basically between the Islamists and like the kind of like the approval of the military and probably some participation and also just like a bunch of like hoodlums, just generally just hoodlums, um, uh, you know, half a million people were slaughtered in like a space of, I think, a few months. Um, yeah, just like grassroots mass murder, you know. Um, and if you ever watch the documentary, The Act of Killing, uh, that is a very uh, dark, obviously, uh, kind of look back, uh, you know, where they actually uh, interview some of the kind of just like, you know, local gangster types who took part in this murder, this slaughter. Um, and, and like pretty much all of these other people who did it, they just straight up got away with it because the government was all about it, right? So it was this horrific spree um, that... Uh, also resulted in like the imprisonment of a lot of like alleged leftists and, and stuff. And like my uh, parents were acquainted with a guy. Uh, I remember this story from like the nineties when we were there. Uh, so basically this guy was, you know, he's fucking middle-aged at, at that time already because he was like a young adult in the sixties. And he said, Oh yeah. Um, you know, one of these acquaintances of mine um, basically like said that I was a, a fucking communist plotter um, because I had a hot wife and uh, and he wanted to get rid of me. And so he just fucking said I was a communist and off to jail I go for like 10 fucking years. And when I got out, she'd married this guy. <laughs> Jesus. So, yeah, cool, cool shit. Right. So, right. so stuff like that just happens in these crisis scenarios where like there's this pressure like this, right? You know, it's like you have to think about that when we talk about like uh, domestic, uh, uh, like partisan conflict is that shit like that will in fact happen. It's not just, you know, this kind of pure like um, 
team versus team shit. It's like you'll you'll get the fucking worst people doing the worst shit to you, and 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 people who didn't ask for anything of them, you know. So anyway, so that's cool. Uh, so so <laughs> then Suharto consolidated his regime by playing the factions against each other. He would ch- sort of like press one down slightly, press another down slightly. He'd just be like, hey, shut the fuck up for a few years. Like you're you're kind of you're underfoot. It's really annoying, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so, so his his regime when he when he basically officially took power, he very totally not ominously named it the New Order. <laughs> like he's just like this is the New Order. This is really liked uh, the band New Order. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, and so, so that was 1966, I, I think, was the the year because he oh, called okay. it the Generation been, of '66. Might, might have been before um, the band a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so when he when he when he took power, um, he talked about this generation of 1966, and what you know, it was like straight up just fascist shit. Like he was just like you know, the new generation is is young and virile and strong and not timid and and decisive and like all this shit. And you're like, wow, this is this is so cool, you know. <laughs> Um, people up to do fascism yep yep and so uh yeah uh putting on my so, putting on my fascism <laughs> boots and my fascism gloves to uh right. do a fascist do some, yeah. yeah do some of that yep. stuff yeah so you know him being a horrific murderous uh fascist general um in charge of a an extremely resource rich uh post-colonial country he obviously hit it off really well with the Americans. <laughs> so, so between you know his his regime shit and uh, his uh, need slash greed to deal with uh, the Western you know extractive powers, um, you know he basically just like gave them the fucking red carpet and uh, you know and it was already bad enough like it was already bad enough. Um, before when when like the states were like oh so we would like to do some stuff and i was like okay you know well you know maybe maybe a little bit and now he's just like nope doors are open come on in you know just fuck fuck everybody trade policy before that do you know uh let's see i i would imagine so i mean so they've got like a kind of a constitutional thing um called the panchasila which is like the five principles um, actually a lot of Asian countries have something like this. Um, and I'll call, yeah, so it's the five principles, Panchasila. Um, the first one is belief in the almighty God, but they construe that as any one of the five approved major religions in Indonesia. So, uh, Islam, Protestantism, Catholicism, um, Hinduism and Buddhism, right? So basically as long as you're one of those five and you're registered that way, and you do have to register, um, then like you're set. It's like, oh yeah, like this is kind of this like pluralistic, like you're part of an organized religion, so you're set, you're good, you're moral. We can you know, go by that. Um, second principle is uh, a just and civilized humanity. So kind of like humanism in a sense, like human ethics, whatever. Uh, three, um, a unified Indonesia. So just kind of like a you know, nation statism uh, for democracy led by, uh, okay. Like so wisdom uh, consensus. 
uh-huh. I found this article here that was it's talking about the economy under Sukarno, and oh, yeah. there was like a hyperinflationary period before mm-hmm. Suharto uh, took yeah. over. Yeah, and that, that's I wouldn't be surprised if you know. I mean, you know. So they had a bunch of debts. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, this this line was really great. Uh, where is it? Foreign exchange earnings from the country's plantation sector fell from 442 million in 1958 to 330 million in 1966. Plantation mm. sector is uh, yeah. really evocative. Really there. cool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, they still have that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah so sure. yeah. Uh-huh. Um. So and then and then okay. So the fifth principles, which which is what I was sort of trying to get to in terms of like their like philosophy on all this shit is like social justice for, for all Indonesians, which uh, I think Sukarno envisioned as including socialism, like state socialism of some kind, like social democracy, maybe. Um, And there are some institutions that kind of like, hold that up but yeah so like i i was gonna say like yeah basically they were like being exploited and had these these problematic like debt relations as you as you pulled up um but at the same time like under sukarno he was trying to probably from what i remember he was trying to figure out a way to like continue to serve the like the the needs of the masses in some way and then so was like yeah fuck it (laughs) Like, like right um so, so, and this includes, you know, this, the, the lead up to the new order um, and the takeover of Suharto uh, includes the um, taking of uh, what was called Jesus Christ, called Irian Jaya for a long time, uh, which is now known as Papua and West Papua. Um, Irian Jaya literally means like glorious conquest. Um, and it was taken, yeah, it was taken from or given by the Dutch to Indonesia in like 62. Um, but there was like a, this Grasberg mine that was there um, was grandfathered in so that this American corporation could essentially keep control over it. Um, but we'll get to that. So so decades passed. So Harto is, is getting old. He's certain to kind of um, lose a little grip in the nineties, right? Like just a little. And then the Asian financial crisis happens, which just like plunges, you know, all of Asia into this fucking quagmire. And then within a year, there are like enough mass demonstrations. And I think it was, again, partly like the elites were kind of like, this isn't working for us anymore. So we're going to like get behind this, the unrest. Uh, um, so, you know, 97 is when it really hits Indonesia, um, hard and then 98, it continues. And that's when the demonstrations, uh, and this investigation into Suharto's finances, um, happen. Right. So you can see there's a ton of unrest in 98. Um, I mean, really, really dark shit. Like, I mentioned the Chinese Indonesians. Um, they they have a kind of a, an awkward position in Indonesia because of all this prejudice and because of their economic status. Often they are slightly well off in some of that. So there was all these anti-Chinese riots by Indonesian native 
uh, nativists, I should say. Um, and like, I, I know um, people who were directly affected by it, people who were Chinese Indonesians who were literally in the middle of this shit. And it was like the most terrifying thing they had to go through. And a lot of them ran off to the States or elsewhere um, because it was so fucking bad. Uh, literally read about, you know, so uh, trigger warning for anybody. You just skip forward like 10 seconds, but like um, a family was dragged out of their house and the uh, teenage daughter was raped in front of her mother and the mother was raped in front of their father and all this kind of shit. So cool, uh, fucked up shit. Um, meanwhile, East Timor was fucking boiling. Um, Maluku, uh, which is an Eastern province, was boiling and Sulawesi got embroiled in that in that particular conflict as well. Um, and shit was going on in Erinjaya as well. So that's, you know, late 90s. So because it was discovered through investigation and dissent uh, that um, Suharto and his whole family and all their buddies were embezzling and had embezzled like billions and billions of dollars. Um, you know, I mean, that's what you do as a fucking dictator. So like no big surprise, but also they figured it out and they were able to prove it. So people were like, all right, fuck this guy, you know, and the government was basically unable to, um, you know, with all their sort of fiscal foreign policy was and also domestic conflicts and stuff, just they're like, okay, fine. Okay. Like we'll do something new now, you know, and Suharto was out and um, his vice president stepped in BJ Habibi and kind of navigated them through that for about a year or like several months. Then they had uh, some kind of election. I don't think like a direct election, um, but this guy, Abdurrahman Wahid. what a great name BJ Habibi is. <laughs> yeah, right? It's just like everybody loves that fucking name. <laughs> um, so then the next guy is uh, Abdurrahman Wahid, who was like, um, he was an old, uh, kind of an old stalwart from like back in like the battle days of like getting their independence and shit. Um, and so he was just fucking ancient by the time he got in. Like, you know, he was like, I think he was in a wheelchair. You know, he, he couldn't really see anymore, but he was there and he was like this old wise man. Um, Love being an old stalwart. Right. <laughs> I aspire to be. But, so he lasted about two years from 1999 to 2001. And then people were like, all right, man, like, you just get out of here. Like, let's, let's you're not stalwart enough else. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You're not really <laughs> keeping up. <laughs> Um, so his vice president um, took over, and that was uh, Megawati Sukarna Putri, which is one of Sukarna's daughters. Um, so the daughter of the first president is now, by kind of like just random um, stuff in politics, she ascends as the president. Um, and she lasted three years. Um, and <laughs> also her first name, Megawati, is not a reference to the brightness of a bulb. Um, right. But I always wondered, um, I actually wonder what it means in like Javanese or whatever it is, but, uh, I never learned cause I don't speak Javanese. Um, so, <laughs> so then, so she's out in 2004, um, new guy, Susilo Bambang Yudoyono or what they call SBY for short, just cause like his, his name is like long as fuck. Um, elected 2004, reelected 2009. So he kind of, stabilizes the the new uh regime 
um, the, what they call the Reformasi era, the, the Reform era. Um, so he, he kind of stabilizes that. You know, obviously he's he's a president, so he's a bastard, but he is one of the better bastards out there, I guess, based on what I've heard. Um, and then Joko Widodo, who is the current president, he was first elected in 2014. Um, Another one of my favorite names in politics. Oh yeah, oh yeah, very fun. Joko Widodo. <laughs> yeah, and his, his his nickname is Jokowi. Um, just one word, Jokowi. Okay. And uh, he was kind of like, you know, his his parents were like nobody. Apparently, like they just his dad was a woodworker from one of these cities. Uh, he's a fucking Metallica fan. Like, <laughs> this just chill dude who then kind of accidentally became. So the mayor he is a bastard. He, of, he likes Metallica. Yeah, right, <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> things are things are different over there, you know. Um, yeah. So so you know so he kind of like you know bounced into being mayor of this major city, and then uh, from there he he kind of got into the a presidential campaign. And I I sometimes I wonder like did they pick him because of his narrative, like his story? Or did he actually want to become president, you know, but he kind of got like this popular or maybe populist surge and, um, you know, won the election in 2014 had kind of a, an Obama effect, you know, hope he changed his stuff. Um, had so some just to clarify, because I, I just yeah. found out about this like last week, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I learned that uh, Canada's system, they don't like elect the top executive or whatever, like the prime minister. Uh, really they're just born into it or like (laughs) well it's the you know whatever the winning parties are oh my fucking god this dog oh you know what you're right i i remember that now yeah Yeah. (laughs) um i remember that yeah yeah like they you elect a party and the party chooses right yeah basically the the pm is appointed by the winning Uh party yeah the, uh-huh, the uh-huh. plurality party in the coalition i guess gotcha, um, yeah and so i didn't know if it was that or if they actually elect their... yeah my car was about to get towed so oh shit well speaking of <laughs> state repression yeah. yes <laughs> um yeah well it was, it was convenient because i was like my bladder was gonna explode and i was just oh, like, okay about <laughs> to actually ask for a break so hey we, we all win um <laughs> uh, so where was I? So, um, y- y'all settled in. Joko Widodo. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Joko Widodo. All right. So, so here we are. Um, we're in the era of Jokowi, um, our kind of, uh, popularly elected, um, you know, Obama effect guy, uh, who very quickly became a Macron effect kind of guy. Um, just kind of, like very placid, very mundane kind of dude, uh, just kind of, you know, pedaling the state along, <laughs> like just like a tricycle. Um, and um, so, so this is again, this is you know, we're in the the, the sort of the the quote unquote democratic era since Reformasi uh, began. And, and so the kind of hopey changey vibe and like the promises to help people economically, like fixing the cost of cement, you know, which is important for like local developments and construction and stuff, mm-hmm. um, especially out in the East where people don't make any fucking money, you know? Right. He also promised a, like a fiber optic network um, across the entire archipelago, which is, 
I mean, when I quite a project. When I heard about that, I was like, "God damn, dude! <laughs> like, that's a big fucking promise." Um, and I think they did it in like to some to some degree. I I don't know if they completed what they promised. Um, but they they are in in the midst apparently of, of doing it. Um, there's so many fucking things going on in that country. I, I can never keep track. But yeah, so uh, so 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 we've gotten we've gotten through to this Jokowi guy. It's now 2019. Over the past what uh, several years, I want to say um, has has existed the. Uh, where is the date here? Okay, since 2002, the government of Indonesia has had this like agency called in Indonesian, it's the Komisi Pemberantasan Korupsi, abbreviated KPK, KVK, and it means the Corruption Eradication Commission. Right. So, in any in any good self uh, serious state, you know. Um, you're going to use the term corruption to attack or undermine the behaviors of anyone not aligned with your agenda, right? Like everything is fucking corruption, except when you say it's not, you know, if it's not aligned with you, you know, it's toast. Um, Corruption is kind of this moral thing. So um, since Suharto and his family were kicked out partly due to this investigation into embezzling, cronyism, et cetera. um, And that was this huge popular surge against them. And since Indonesia has been dealing with like the debts and the trade and the the exploitation and all this like international domestic political baggage, bureaucratic competition, party competition, police and military brutality, police and military bribery, uh, you know, uh, black markets. Um, they are very anti-drugs, so there's like drug running, mm-hmm. all this shit, right? So it's very easy to be like corruption bad. We are good, right? right. Um, and then just kind of delineate things from there. But however, um, it's also important, I think, to understand that like having something like that is better than what they had previously, which is that the state didn't give a fuck, right? <laughs> like Suharto just ran that shit like a fucking private casino, essentially. So, um, so the Kapeka, the, the Eradication Commission. Uh, has been kind of like, from what I've seen, a fairly popular tool that the people can hope will at least do some good to keep various um, overly interested political parties from, or political factions or groups from to- totally overtaking the, you know, the state or military apparatus. Even though, again, it's not a cure, it's not perfect there's probably a lot of biases involved in, in how this thing runs. Um, so, so this is an important agency. Um, but in the, in the meantime, um, there's been a lot of bullshit continuing to go on um, in Indonesia. And uh, apologies also if I'm kind of jumping around at this point, because like I said, there's just like so much shit going on it's complex. um it's complex um it's hard to tie it all together simply uh, i don't always know how things connect precisely um and none of us know I anything been, about it, the subject <laughs> yeah, 
right, right. So I'm like, I know more than probably everybody listening currently, right? right. I know more than you, obviously. But I've also been out of the country for 10 years. Um, and partly due to like the um, diversity in language, like I've been reading up um, on Indonesian Twitter uh, and the, <laughs> the like, you know, when you when you're when you're like a fucking normie looking at Twitter like in English, right? Uh-huh. You're just like you have you generally no idea what's going on, right? You're just like a, there's just like a whole lot of inside jokes and like weird conventions, like just the like most mean language form of English. Contextual, <laughs> exactly, right, right. And so you're like, okay, like these are words from English, and I speak English, but I don't yeah. know what these words are supposed to mean, right? <laughs> Individually, so, I know what all these words mean, but uh, why yeah. are they together? <laughs> why are they together? Exactly, exactly. So, so I've I've been having a similar experience with like Indonesian Twitter because that's also very high context. And there's all this slang and like, just like anywhere else, every city has its own dialect and slang and everything like that. Um, but perhaps in an even deeper way than you would expect between say like New York or, or New York and Philly or New York and Boston or like LA and fucking San Francisco. Right. In it's Java, like, they say tripping, but in uh, Sulawesi, they say luncheon. Pretty much, yeah. And so you're just like going through this and you're like sifting through it and just gradually going insane. But it's so funny watching, like just also seeing like all the people reacting to any given post, like high context slang post where like they all get it, right? Because they're from there. And so, and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I feel like so fucking stupid. <laughs> like, just pretending. But also, it's, yeah, it's, it's just impossible to actually... Um, like, you know, there's a lot of Europeans who like speak like six fucking European languages, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, in Indonesia, it's not uncommon for you to speak like maybe two or three of the the, the local or regional languages, especially if you're like an urban person who's very literate. So you speak, well, I speak English. Of course, I speak Indonesian. We all speak fucking Indonesian, you know, the official language. And I also speak Sundanese, which is the local, you know, ethnic majority language. And then I also speak, you know, like the dialect of Chinese that my particular family uh, speaks at home, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I also speak some other local, like, like fucking Argot, you know, that I learned on the street because we're all teens or something, you know, that kind of shit. So, so I'm like, I don't have this anymore, you know. I, I, I used to swim in that a little bit and uh, I don't have it anymore because I'm a fucking old man, you know. <laughs> um, so, so it's been interesting trying to track what's what's connected to what and why people have different attitudes about it. And of course, you know, you got fucking, you got bootlicker Indonesians, just like you got bootlicker Americans, right? So you're just sifting through, and then you're like, oh wait, I think I'm reading tweets from like a bad person, you know? Like, <laughs> like I don't like this. You know? I, I, I had that experience a lot on. Uh, I was trying to read like Venezuelan Twitter when all the oh, yeah. Venezuelan coup stuff was happening. And, uh, yeah. you know, my Spanish isn't good at all. <laughs> I right. took four years of it, but I'm pretty useless in it. Like, I, I learned more from working with uh, Colombian people for, like, you know, 13 months than I did in any amount of Spanish class. But, yeah, there was a lot of posts where I was like, I think this person is uh, not not a good one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I don't know all the words, right. you know. <laughs> <laughs> right exactly you're like wait, are they being sarcastic or serious yeah. right um yeah so it's so it's like blah 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 homosexual and it's like oh okay this guy not damn it <laughs> <laughs> right that's an asshole yeah 
So like, um, so getting back to like, you know, Jokowi and like the KPK and um, their kind of navigation through economic difficulty. Um, so in the past, you know, couple of decades since the Krisman, the, the the monetary crisis, financial crisis, um, the the Indonesian middle class has actually been kind of like struggling through it and 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 loosely defined middle class you know, income. Um, so Indonesia is this kind of emerging economy, middle power. Um, they weathered the recession pretty well relative to other uh, states. Um, and so the last, like, say, 10 years have been, you know, while not always great um, in terms of just relative position, they've, they've done okay. Um but like, there's all this other shit that's been going on too, you know. Um, despite and/or because of um, people like Jokowi in charge, you know. Like again, Jokowi, hopey, changey guy, making a lot of promises. Mm-hmm. Um, but the government is still the government, right? You, you know, these factions are still in place. Uh, the Suharto era is still in living memory, and um, foreign exploitation, as well as domestic sort of. Um, uh, exploitation um, of of the state's holdings, you know, which it considers to be Indonesia, right? <laughs> uh, continue. So you've got um, speaking of things like the plantation sector, you know, you've got palm oil, which is a big cash uh, crop of sorts. There, um, you, you cut out. You said palm oil. Palm oil, yeah. And I said it's yeah. basically kind of like a cash crop there. Um, yeah, it's very uh, very extractive, very problematic. A lot of candies. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you eat yeah, so, candy, you're probably, you know, eating <laughs> the corpses of orangutans. Yeah. Oh God! Don't even get me into the fucking wildlife <laughs> destruction. Christ. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, oh man, I just stories and stuff. Um, so yeah. So. <laughs> so so you've got the palm oil. You've got the lumber practices, right? So. Um, Kalimantan, Borneo, right? The island of Borneo, um, upon which the province of Kalimantan sits. Um, that's basically the the, the real name for it, or is that like a colonial name? I, man, there's so many names. I actually don't know. Um, it's probably a colonial name. Um, especially because like, if you think about a lot of the people who were uh, indigenous who are indigenous to this place, you know, but the people who were their ancestors who, you know, when the Dutch came along or the Portuguese or British came along, um, you know, they might have a name for the islands. They might not. They might have a name for the whole region. Kalimantan the region. Is the native. Yeah, I just looked it up. Kalimantan is what we so call the province. So oh, we're getting into the weeds here. Um, so Borneo is that island, the big sort of delta-shaped island. Um, it is Wikipedia now. It's the third largest island in the world, and it's the largest island in Asia, like flat out. Yeah, go, um, go to the etymology, and it, it has it there. Yeah. Uh, it is known by many names. It is uh, known as Borneo. Oh, after Brunei. Okay, so you were right. Derived from European contact. Yeah, so then there's all this possible could be from Sanskrit, blah blah blah. Indonesia's called Palmer. Okay, well, you could have you, you could have just told me you were in Wikipedia. 
<laughs> I was <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Damn you! Um, beat me to it. Um, so so yeah, but yeah, Kalimantan is definitely like that's what um, um, that's what the province is is called for sure, um, and that's most of the island anyway. So fuck it. Um, Right, so that's like the lungs of Indonesia, kind of, you know. So you take the, the Amazon in, in South America, right? And that's a big fucking. So Borneo is the other giant rainforest, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there's there's a bunch in in, in Papua as well, but uh, Borneo is the okay. one you hear about. Um, and there's a lot of like illegal logging, and probably like semi-illegal logging there. So you can if you go. You could literally just look, look this up and fucking probably Google images. Um, just like the de deforestation of Borneo or of Kalimantan. Um, and it's just like the Amazon. It's just like everywhere else. It's like you start with like a ton of forests and you end up with basically a fucking desert. Um, so that's depressing. Um, and that's just one thing that just continues to happen. It, uh, I think, is, I mean, it's, it's obviously continuing to happen. But I don't, I don't know if it has uh, shifted in volume, like if it's intensified, but things are just not that great. And then, of course, once lumber is taken from the land and it's clear, then they turn it into things like palm oil plantations, which themselves, um, as such a uh, lucrative cash crop, incentivize the clearance of land. So it's like this sort of vicious circle that happens. And as... Part of the process, you know, they're not just taking trees away, right? Anybody who knows anything knows that that means they're destroying ecos, ecosystems, excuse me, um, and so forth. And so, yeah, the wildlife. orangutan is critically endangered. I'm looking at a yep. picture of like this little baby one. It's so fucking mm -hmm. cute, man. Like, uh, uh, right? Like, how can you, like, how can you just, <laughs> uh, right? How do people have that impulse? It's, it's crazy. Oh my god! I, I think what we it's, need to it's, do, it's insanity. It's just a disease. We need to yeah. uh, fund uh, giant blimps to go around <laughs> and show uh, Dunstan checks in and save the. <laughs> 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 yes, yes. I After love you watch it. that movie, I don't think it's possible to clear cut uh, rainforest like that. <laughs> yeah, I fucking love it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and if that doesn't oh, work, we'll show them Nausicaa and you know the wrath of the giant insects that they'll uh, invoke. 